We deliver tickets, t-shirts, and everything you need to rock. But what you really get is so much more. FedEx delivery. Passion. What we deliver by delivering. Blog Talk Radio. Who are the unstoppable ones? Is it just that they can do it and I can't? Who are the Mission Unstoppable. Mission Unstoppable. The Unstoppable Ones. You did say Unstoppable, right? You did say Unstoppable, right? What is it they know that I don't? Coach Frankie Picasso takes you on Mission Unstoppable. Can anyone stop these people? Unstoppable Coach Frankie Picasso, and tonight we are going on another Mission Unstoppable with a man who is about to eliminate kvetching, complaining, and whining from the workplace. Sound like an impossible mission? Well, clearly this man knows from what he speaks. He's educated. He's a graduate of Cornell University, and he holds a master's in teaching from Emory, so he must know something we don't. His high-energy persona is a favorite among the corporate giants. Folks like the Jacksonville Jaguars, Dial Corporation, the PGA Tour, Wells Fargo, Burger King, to name a few. Uh, These are some of the people who call on him to get their teams on the bus and moving in the right direction, a direction that includes enhanced vision, optimism, trust, purpose, and positive energy. What bus are they talking about? Hang in there. I'll let you know in one second. We wouldn't want to miss the bus now, would we? So stay tuned and stay close. This is the Unstoppable Frankie Picasso, and you're listening to Mission Unstoppable. The time in Toronto is 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 6 in Los Angeles, and 9 a.m. And Wednesday uh, in Beijing, if you're following the Olympics. I want to thank the good folks here at Blog Talk Radio for allowing me to broadcast over their network. And I want to thank you, you know who you are, for tuning in to me each and every week and making it such a joy to bring you the unstoppable ones. I have the phones open in the chat room as well, so feel free to give us a call or write if you have any questions. The number to call in is 646-595-3741. My guest this evening is the ever-positive John Gordon. John is renowned for kicking the butts of energy vampires and replacing them with people who support, enthuse, and propel others to succeed. John's a motivational speaker, consultant, educator, and author of the international bestsellers The Energy Bus, 10 Rules to Fuel Your Life, Work, and Team with Positive Energy, and his latest book, The No Complaining Rule. Now, you know that it has been said that behind every successful man, there's a woman well, it seems that John is no exception. Apparently, he, always, he wasn't always the epitome of Mr. Positive. In fact, claiming a dysfunctional DNA, John was a, uh, <laughs> a plus champion complainer. And one day, his wife, who got really tired of his whining, said, John, get your act together or get kicked off the marriage bus. So, in your words, John, you were dejected, rejected, and about to get ejected. <laughs> Tell us about this time. Good evening, and welcome to Mission Unstoppable. Oh, it's great to be with you. <laughs> uh, what a pass, right? I love that line. I well, love it. Uh, dejected, rejected, and ejected. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> it's very true, and I, I do, you know, thank my wife to this day for giving me a, you know, an ultimatum and saying, hey, you know, change or you're off the bus. And you know, it wasn't harsh. People say that was pretty harsh. No, I deserved it, and I needed to change. It woke me up, and it really started me on this journey to do the work that I do now. So I'm very thankful that it happened. You know, you, you, you 
I think, um, jokingly blame your DNA for infusing you with the complaining gene, you know, the Jewish-Italian guilt and gout, I think uh, <laughs> we could call it. My son, you know, my kids are, are, are half Jewish and, and half Italian as well. And my son had picked, I, I, I saw the book open on my bed and I go, who'd be reading this book, you know, the, the no complaining rule. I mean, I would read it, but my kids to crack open a book at something else. And he goes, who is this guy? How come he's got so much food and we don't? <laughs> and I said, well, you know, we, I broke the mold. I said, you don't have food and you don't have guilt either. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, I did go. I did grow up in a Jewish Italian family. I do say a lot of food and a lot of guilt and a lot of wine and a lot of whining. But yeah. uh, and, and it's true. I mean, it, I joked that my ancestors wandered around the desert complaining for forty years, yeah. you know, two thousand years ago. Uh, they I haven't stopped it. to this day. Well, no, no, they haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I get ca- I get cards from my ancestors too. Oh, yeah, I get cards from my aunt that say, um, you know, hi, Jonathan, my neck is hurting, Uncle Murray's depressed again, happy birthday. So, yeah, to this yeah. day. Don't you love it? Don't you love it? Well, this, um, you're, you're, you know, I'm going to go back. We're here to talk about the no complaining rule, but let's talk about the bus for a moment because um, I, I guess it probably all started there. And I just love this book, The No Complaining Rule. I really, really do. Positive ways to deal with negativity at work. And if you're in the chat room and you want to ask a question, please do. If you've read the book, I'd love to have your comments on it. If you haven't and you have negativity in your workplace, you know, give us a call and, and let John respond to that because I would really like to talk to him about it. Um, so where did the bus come from, John? The the Energy Bus was a book that I wrote about two years ago, and that came from a real bus driver I met in Denver, and I was touring for my first book a couple years ago, and I got on this bus, and I met this bus driver who really inspired me, shared words, words of wisdom, and just had this great energy, and years later, I thought of him, and I thought, you know, life is like an energy bus, 10 rules for the ride of your life, <clears throat> sorry, and that became, oh, the, that became the impetus for and the catalyst for this fable about a guy named George who's miserable and negative. His team at work is in disarray. His wife's about to leave him. He wakes up Monday morning to a flat tire. And so he has to take the bus to work, and he meets this bus driver named Joy, and she shares the ten rules for the ride of his life. And, and that book really you know, took off and has been used by a ton of organizations and companies. It's still being used by, by a ton, and... And so I'm just really happy what it's doing, how it's impacting people in the workplace. So what is it about, about <clears throat> the 10 rules? Can you tell us what the 10 rules are? Am I going to put you on the spot? Sure. Or? No, I mean, I don't want to go through all of them, but I mean, just no. for, but, but, yeah, you know, some of, the, some of the big ones, because it just would, you know, take a long time, but some of the big ones are, are vision, you know, desire and focus help move the bus in the right direction. So mm-hmm. what is your desire? And out of that desire... Uh, what is your vision for the road ahead, for your future? Because how can you go somewhere if you don't know where you're going? And right. then you need to focus on the vision because so often we create a vision and we come up with our goals at the beginning of the year. We have a vision and then we just throw that vision in the drawer in the form of a piece of paper or in the garbage can after a few months. And you have to keep your vision alive because it is really fuel. It shows the power of your mind when you see that marathon runners in the last mile are you know, least likely to quit at that time. Even though they should be most physically exhausted, they don't quit. It's because they have an end in sight. They have a vision of where they're going. Yet most right. people do quit in the 20th mile. Yeah. And so, so often in life, we're in that 20th mile, and we lose our vision and we just give up. And so a big part of 
of your journey is deciding where you want to go. And then you have to fuel that journey with positive energy. That's another rule of to fuel your ride with positive energy. And, and that's because every one of us will face adversity and negativity and obstacles on the road to create success. You know, no one goes through life untested. And so that's been really resonating with a lot of businesses because we all are facing challenges, especially today's economy and right. the negativity we face. The naysayers who say you can do it and the energy vampires who drain your energy. So I just went yeah. to speak to the Atlanta Falcons, for instance, the football team. They all read the energy bus, and my hope is it will have them, help them have a great year this year as they focus on the positive and overcome the negative. I spoke to the Jacksonville Jaguars last year. They all read the energy bus, and it was really exciting to see how this team came together using these principles and how important it was to stay positive. I mean, it's cliche, stay positive, but... So often that's the difference between success and failure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I totally agree with that. And, and I know that, that it's a choice, too, and a lot of people don't realize that they can, they can just choose to retrain their thought and get rid of the negative and, and, and you know, put a positive in its place. Right, I mean, replacing a negative thought with a positive. But, you know, we also need techniques. So, like, in the, in yep. the no complaining rule, I give yep. some techniques like, you know, adding a but positive I call it after a, after a complaint. So I don't like That's this. A good rule. Yeah. yeah, I don't like this, but I'm happy that I can, you know, do this. I don't right, like that I can right. I don't like my job, but I should be thankful I have a job right now. I'm not exactly. saying to be content. I'm not saying you should stay where you are if you're not happy with your job. I am saying you should focus on gratitude to keep yourself uplifted, to keep yourself positive and then optimistic that you're will attract new and better things your way. Well, don't you think that um, in a lot of organizations, because I was, I was in charge of, you know, I was the <laughs> special advisor for spirit, um, and, and my job was to improve morale of 60,000, you know, public servants that we had. Wow. And, and without giving them any money, it was just a change <sighs> of perspective. Now, that's all I could give them. So what would you, you know, what can you give them other than, than a new perspective of, of belonging, let's say, and, and, and show them why they, why they belong and how important they are to an organization. Don't you think a lot of, you know, the higher-ups get it, but with that communication, as you mentioned, in the no-complaining world, doesn't really always trickle down. And people don't know why they're at work. They really don't know what, what they, they do for the organization. They're not in alignment with its, its vision because they don't really know what it is. I mean, you can go into a lot of businesses and ask people, what's your mission statement and your vision statement for this organization? They wouldn't know, would they? No, they wouldn't. And you hit the nail on the head. But a lot of higher-ups don't get it. You said they do. No, they don't get it, actually. That's my big talking point and the big message I share with businesses is it does start at the top. It does trickle down. And that everyone needs to be on the bus together with a shared vision, focus, and direction. And the number one reason why people leave their jobs is they don't feel appreciated. So right. I love what you do and what you did with your work because – it's not the money that keeps people. They want the challenge. They want to feel like they have a part of the solution. They want to know how their vision contributes to the bigger vision of the organization. And they want to know that they're recognized and appreciated. And so it's so simple, really, that if you just take care of your people and you focus on them and you create an environment where they can perform and they can thrive, then they will, and they'll deliver the numbers. See, I think we live in a time when everyone's focused on the stock price, the numbers, and, yeah. and the outcomes. And what you realize 
is that it's not the numbers that drive the people. It's the people that drive the numbers. So you have to take care of the people. You do that, and they'll deliver the numbers. But see, that is so counterintuitive to what everyone's doing today, or I should say counterproductive, because everyone says, oh, how's our numbers doing? We focus on what's urgent rather than what matters. So instead of customers, sorry, go go ahead. ahead. You see the numbers and you say, oh, we gotta we gotta get take care of this. But you're always just putting out one fire after the other. What great companies do, what successful leaders do, and I work with a lot of these companies, is they focus on their people, they focus on their culture, and then in turn, their spirit. For instance, take Southwest Airlines. When you join Southwest, they put you through Spirit Boot Camp, and then in turn, you now share this spirit, this energy with the customers, and that delivers the numbers and the results. I love it. You know, I don't understand. I've never really understood why organizations um, look at their, let's say, their, the the bottom person on, on, on the rung as not being so important. Because usually that's the person who is the one who is interfacing with the customer. And they don't often give them the um, the power to make the customer happy. And, and I think that there's something wrong there. What do you think about that? I agree with you 100%. They need to empower the employees at the customer service level, at the ground level. And the organizations that do that do better in customer service. And also you have to empower people to be part of the solution. If people right. don't feel like they can make a difference, well, then they won't. <laughs> if they feel yeah. like they can, they will. So I'm amazed at some people they also put in customer service. They put people who really don't belong on the front of the house, and they right. put them there, and that's really not what their person's strengths are. So it's also putting people in the right seats, as Jim Collins said, put them in the right seats in the right position so they can be successful, but then empowering them to make the customer happy. I mean, it's so – the stuff we talk about really is simple, but you'll be amazed at how many companies and organizations don't do it. I mean, just by being positive, you create a great culture where the organization shares positive, contagious energy with the customers. But so many organizations are dealing with their own negativity that they then are not positive to the customers. Right. So I think the best customer service strategy, I call it the greatest customer service strategy there is, is to actually treat your employees like family and care about them. And if you do that, they will care for the customer. Right. I used to argue with them about the internal customer, which is the employee. Um, and they, well, we don't have internal customers, but I think we, they all businesses have internal customers. Well, they have employees, and and you know, not only they are family, and and if you treat them that way, then they'll um, they'll treat you nicely back. Yeah, Starbucks it, has. It is pretty easy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Starbucks has this mystarbucksyouknowidea.com. Yeah. where customers can now submit their suggestions and stuff to Starbucks online. But I thought every company should actually do this for their employees, not yeah. just customers. Have yeah. a form where every customer, I mean every customer and employee can now submit their solutions and ideas. So now they're part of the process. Well, yeah, innovation is is, you know, within organizations I think is a, is a great way to um and, and some of the companies are, are you know, giving out m- money for, for employees who come up with great innovation plans. I know that there was one town here, the town of Ajax in, in Ontario, that was um, ISO 9000, and, and they um, asked the employees for suggestions every month. And, and um, I guess the employees had come up with a, a, a way to save the town, like millions of dollars. Well, they took that money, which is unheard of for government, and gave it back to those employees at Christmas time. 
you know, for for um, being able to be so innovative and, and save money and so That's get good customer service. It's amazing. But, you know, it, that takes some creativity and, and some risk-taking, which not everybody is into doing. No, and I do think we need to reinvent, you know, business and companies and processes all the time and be innovative like that. And look at what Google is doing and how well they are dominating the market right now, and it's because they're so innovative and they're not doing things the old way. So it does yeah. take it does take some 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 new thought. But even if you just get back to the principles of taking care of people, on focusing on developing a positive culture and making that your priority, and you don't do any innovation, and even if you just do that, you'll be more successful. But I guess I guess what happens is sometimes these businesses, when they start to make money, they start to forget about the people who got them there, don't they? I think that's probably part of the problem, or there's so much pressure to deliver the money and deliver the outcome that they really forget it's the process that matters. John Wooden, the legendary UCLA basketball coach, never focused on winning. He always focused on daily improvement, on teamwork, on fundamentals, on character, and as a result, he was one of the winningest coaches of all time, I think the winningest coach. And so he won a lot, and he never focused on outcomes. So I think that's really where the great companies focus on. They know it's the process, they know it's their people, and they know if they do take care of them, they will deliver the results. Now, you have to measure. I'm not saying you shouldn't measure, but right. measurement is just the outcome of great teamwork, great leadership, and a great initiative and organization and great customer service. It's just the outcome, but you have to measure now, some people would say, you know, when you go and you talk to a team, a football team, they're a team, and they've got a common goal, and they know what it is because, you know, they go through a season, they know who they're going to play, they know, they kind of know what's going to happen. But when you go into a larger organization, you have so many different coaches, let's say managers, middle managers, um, it, it can be a little bit more difficult to get everybody on that bus, can it? Well, I have many organizations that have been using the energy bus, many teams with, you know, some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies now, I'm getting emails from all over, and they consider themselves a team, just like a football team. I mean, there are many teams within companies. So even though you may be part of a larger organization, every team can make their bus great, I often say. And that, that driver of that bus, that leader, whose goal is then to get everyone on the bus and develop a positive team, and you do that, and that team will be a model for all the other teams. And so many teams actually do know what their mission is, why they're there, and what they're here to do. If they don't, that's a problem of leadership and organization as well because you're right. Every person in the organization needs to know why they're there, what they're there to do, how they contribute to the vision of the organization. So what you said earlier about alignment, right on. So there's got to be an alignment between, okay, I know every day what my job is. I know what I'm here to do, and I know why it matters. And I know how I serve the whole. And if you do that, then you get a fleet of buses all moving in the same direction, not just one bus. Now you have a fleet, momentum and power. You become unstoppable like you, Frankie. And so in doing that, see, that's the key. When I get brought into organizations and companies, it's to say, okay, how do we create a fleet of buses here where now people are empowered to drive their own bus They're part of the overall team, so now they're part of the fleet. But they're driving their own, they're part of the fleet, and they're serving the entire organization. That's really the goal. 
Well, one of the other um, problems that I've that I've noticed, and, and you've probably seen this as well, is not just the alignment, but the values. If a company is is you know says one thing, but they walk and talk something else, then then the employees start to look at their own values or and, and say, you know, do I want to be with a company that doesn't really walk and talk what it pretends to do? You know, its mission and vision, and and so people don't always realize that. Um, Maybe that they're straying from from that original vision or not. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. But it's important that you know people think about their own personal values because you don't leave who you are when you walk through that door. You know, you come with all of your baggage and and all your family and everything yes. else. Um, yes, you belong to the organization for the eight hours that you're there or more, but you're still a person and and you still you know have values and of your own and you'd like them to be in, in alignment with the, the business that you're working for. I would think. Definitely. I think that's one of the big reasons why 77% of the people surveyed say that they hate their jobs or don't like their jobs. I think there's a lot of people that are going to work every day. And what happens is you get a split in who you are and the organization you work for. You know, in ancient times, there was no separation between your your work life and your spiritual life. And so people are told to bring leave their spirit at home and their passion at home and just come to work and do your job. Well, yeah. I don't agree with that. I think that you know, work is a place where you have a calling. I believe work is a place where you have a ministry where every day you can bring your mission to work and you can go make a difference and you can serve and you can power and you can train and you can develop and you can inspire. And if you do that, and that's your focus. You're going to love your job, and you're going to be engaged by it. And then you're going to help the company and deliver a bottom line. And honestly, this is why I do the work that I do. I don't sit back and say, oh, I wish it could be different. Oh, I do this because you make it different. I know that's my calling. And I know that I'm here to go into organizations and help do this. And I've, we've had an impact. I want to have even a bigger impact, reach more, but we're doing it. And, you know, it's great to see that we are doing it. But you have to reach the leaders you have to reach the influencers to do that. And then mm-hmm. and then if someone's not an influencer, my message to them is that you still can be a driver of positive change in your organization. If you're reading the energy bus, give a copy to your boss. I can't tell you how many times people have, have, have uh, told me that they found out about me through their, their assistant or just one of their employees or someone who works on their team, and they read it. And then they decide to bring it to their overall organization. Next thing you know, I'm reaching the entire company. And so just from that one person, we now have an impact on the entire company. That's amazing. Ultimately, that's the, that's the goal. But so what I've is seen, it about I, change that's so scary? Well, I think many people are scared of change just because it's change. <laughs> and that produces yeah. fear. So they are in their comfort yeah. zone. That's one. But I often say you're either changing or you're growing, and if you're not growing, you're dying. And so really it's either growing or dying. So all change, I believe, is good, and it's how we deal with the change that matters. So staying positive through change helps you overcome. There's the formula I share in the book, E plus P equals O. This is in the energy bus. E plus P equals O. We can't control the events in our life often, mm-hmm. but we can control our positive response to those events, and that determines the outcome. Yep. And, so, and so it's really about making sure that you stay positive through those events and your attitude, your energy you bring to a situation, your faith, your trust, your hope, your optimism, that really is what gets you through. The um, You have a line in this book. I absolutely love this line. 
you say, stop being disappointed about where you are and start being optimistic about where you're going. That's how I feel about change. I love change. I'm probably in the, uh, you know, in, in the smaller uh, group there. But I've always really liked change because I, I just feel it, it gives me opportunities. I love the, the opportunity that it, it, you know, presents. And here you are saying, yeah, you know, be optimistic about where you're going. That's so cool. I had to say that line because honestly, in my own life, I had become so disappointed about where I was that I stopped being optimistic about where I was going. Eight years ago, that was me in my life. And so as having this character say that line, it was something that, that I, I'm glad you enjoyed it because it was something that really spoke uh, to me in my own life that I realized, no, I need to be optimistic about where I'm going, not disappointed about where I am. And I think too many people get caught up in where they are right now that they forget to see or expect that good things are coming their way in the future. And they may say, oh, John, well, that's just you. You know, you're, you have successful books now and you do this great work. Well, let me tell you something. I, it wasn't always that way for me. And so I know what it was like to be in that negative place. And I do know that we have a choice, and I know that just by being positive throughout my life, by taking my thank you walk, by praying each morning like I do, by surrendering with the things I can't control and focusing on what I can and living my life in that way and stopping complaining, which was a big part of my journey, and focusing on the positive, I st- over these last number of years, I've really seen the changes in the outcome, what happened in my own life. And the nice thing is I now get emails from all these other people who are making these choices as well, and you start to see how it impacts their life too. So we do have a choice, and this is not Pollyanna. This is not you know some just positive thinking, blah, blah stuff. No, this is right. the real stuff on how to deal with the negativity we all face. One, one, um, one of the ways I stopped was, was to stop watching television. I just found it, it just promoted negativity too much. And, um, and so people can do things like that. You know, they can... Stay away from things that make them negative or make them sad or make them angry or anything like that so that they can continue to be positive if they find it difficult. In the book, The, the No Complaining Role, um, you have a character, Hope, and Hope is um, in charge of the um, – uh, what, what, what group is she? Sorry, the name just – She was with okay. Easy Tech, so she's the head of HR for Easy Tech. HR, thank you, yes, HR. And and her nemesis, I guess, was Jim. Jim was always waiting for her to fail, so he's Mr. <laughs> negative, right? Yes. And, and um, but she doesn't fail, and she succeeds in 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 her job of of helping this company find um, their positive their positive way. Now, you say in the book that um, Jim is important to have around because he he plays the devil's advocate. He, you know, he's the naysayer for everything. And I know um, there's. Uh, Oh, what's his name? The father of creativity. Oh, uh, six hats. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, no. His name just escaped. Einstein. But anyway, no, not Einstein. No. Edison. Uh, <laughs> no, none of those. Not that great. Uh, what was his name? Oh, it'll come to me anyway. But anyway, he 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 developed this this um this this way to have meetings, and it was called six hats. And everybody puts on a hat, and it's kind of like the no complaining rule in a way that when you have a certain color hat on, you have to think from that perspective. So even if you hate the idea, when you wear, let's say, the green hat, you have to tell everybody why it's such a great idea, you know? And so it's very cool. Interesting. And, and so, it remi- you know, Jim kind of reminded me of that. Well, you know, he was a player on the team who was always wearing the black hat and telling you why it's not going to work. And you say in the book that, you know, he's still important to have around, but he may not stay in his job because he really isn't a people person and he really isn't on the bus, is he? He... he 
but they're going to keep him around. So what would they keep him around to do? Sure, the CEO decides to keep Jim and says that he's really good for playing devil's advocate, but he wouldn't have him have close relationships with you know the employees because he's really not a people person, but he likes him on the executive team because he's always challenging the CEO. Not in public, though, but private. He's always questioning everything. He's devil's advocate. So he makes the team better. I mean, sometimes you need someone who's going to challenge the organization. Mm-hmm. You need someone who, you know, is going to play the devil's advocate, the naysayer role. It makes you actually stronger. And I got that idea from Lincoln. You know, Abraham Lincoln, one of the, you know, great models of leadership, you know, in, a, in the book Team of Rivals by Doris Kearns, talks about how Lincoln had people on his cabinet who didn't like him, who didn't agree with him, and would often play different uh, roles and would often disagree with him and the other people in the cabinet. So he had all these different people who disagree with each other. And so he had the opportunity and the ability to listen to all these different views and different ideas and then synthesize and come up with his own solution. So he found it very valuable to have these people on his cabinet. It takes a tremendous leader to be able to do that. It takes someone who can... Um, is very confident in themselves and a very humble person in a way, too, because these people thought they were better than Lincoln. They thought they should have been president, not him. And so it just shows you that sometimes the best leadership is the ability to not always have people who agree with you, but sometimes people that will challenge you. See, conflict is important in an organization. You need to have some conflict. Yeah. But if you have trust and love at the core, and there is that trust in the relationship of, of leaders and their employees and you have trust and love that they know you care about them, well then conflict serves the growth of the organization. You have the conflict like a marriage. You have the fight, but it leads to growth and intimacy and understanding. If there's no love and trust at the core, then the conflict actually can destroy the organization. Right, right. So it's really not but, about but the no conflict. But no conflict, then there's, you're just in that comfort zone. You never leave it. Right. So the conflict actually helps you yeah. grow, helps you maybe argue about things. You know, Jack Del Rio, the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, told me that in the beginning of the season each year, he and the coaches all get together and they have it out. And they, you know, really fight out on what their game plan is going to be, their strategies and going forward. And they all just, they may disagree on things. But once they decide, in the end, they all decide of what it's going to be, then even if you disagree with it, everyone now gets on the bus together with the same idea and the same vision. So the conflict is good, but it, it leads to them coming up with what their plan is going to be. Okay, so Edward DeBona was the name of the guy I was trying to remember. It just came to me. That's what happens with age. <laughs> <laughs> it comes, just comes a little bit late, that's all. <laughs> I liked what you said. You had this, um, uh, I, I can't remember what chapter it was in, but you said um, South America was discovered by the Spaniards in search of gold, but North America was settled by the pilgrims in search of God. And I think what you meant by that was, you know, the organizations that are just looking for money aren't going to make it. The, you know, the employees are going to be, going to be lots of attrition. There's going to be lots of conflict within the, those places because they're not caring for those who are with them. Is that what you were talking about? Yes. I was really talking about, you know, a, a famous uh, famous discussion in, in the uh, Fundamentals of Prosperity, a wonderful book, mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, the person's interviewing the president of Argentina, and he says those exact words of why North America had all this progress and prosperity in South America has lagged far behind and he said because you know North America was founded by the pilgrims in search of 
in search of God, and then but South America was settled by the Spaniards in search of gold. So, what's your motive? Is it gold or is it God? And by that I mean, is it is it again is it the money or is it the spirit and the purpose and the passion? And we talked about earlier the process and mm-hmm. and the engagement of the employees and the culture. So, what's your focus? And if you focus on the gold, you won't be as successful if you're focusing on the outcome. If you focus on the passion and the purpose and what you're here to do, in the long run, you will be successful. It's a yeah, counter message. Tried. It's a counter yeah. message for what we hear all the time. I but but, but again, you see it in the great leaders and the great companies, the football teams I've worked with, you see it over and over again. These are people who focus on on the process. Yeah, yeah. And that's what quality is, isn't it? I mean, quality, you know, organizations who deal in quality are looking at process. Um, and, and through the processes comes, comes, you know, the outcomes that you're looking for. Now, Easy Check in the book, um, The No Complaining Rule, starts off having a big um, – Big conflict, like they're, they're, you know, they're they're making batteries and these batteries are exploding and everybody starts to hate them and, and all the publicity is negative against them and the, and so they're in a rush to change the, you know, change the tide and and um, have everybody love who they are again and so that's why all of this started. Now, you said and you just said it a moment ago too that no one goes through life untested and it's really true and it really is a measure of who you are, how you handle diversity or or, or um, you know the tough times, is, yes. and it really is a measure of of the man or woman or the company. I guess um, it's not determined by how we act. It's, you know, it's determined by how we act during not the good times, but the bad times. Because anybody can, you know, can walk the line during the good times. But how are you during the bad times? How can you stay positive during the bad times? And um, you know, there's some people. I guess maybe I don't know if being positive is. I questioned it when I was in the hospital for a very long time, if it's environmental or, or genetic. But I think it's, it may be a little bit of both, but we, we both know that you can choose to, to be positive, and, and so you can handle challenge and diversity and, or uh, hard times through uh, being positive. Yeah, Michael, um, you know, uh, I forget the author, but they talked about that there's different levels of 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 positive and engagement and purpose and and you go from one stage to the next and i mean being positive a lot of it is hereditary and a lot of it is um environmental but again it's not just the positive i also believe you know when if you're positive you're only as good as your own positive thoughts are mm-hmm. and so i do believe ultimately we all fall short because we're human beings. We all have our faults. I, I know I do. I know I'm certainly not perfect. I know that in many ways we all have our, our deep issues and our burdens we carry around with us all the time. So no matter how much we try to stay positive, we do have this sort of this burden inside of us that will never make us fully positive. And I think ultimately to me that's where faith comes in and you know, your faith and a higher power and your trust and your belief and your hope comes in where you realize you can't do it yourself and you call on a bigger, greater power uh, to be part of your life. To me, that's a big part of it as well. Mm-hmm. Faith. Yeah, faith. I mean, I really do faith. You know, in those tough times, you, mm-hmm. you go, I, I just can't do it alone. And you, you, your faith carries you through it over and over again. I've 
met people who have dealt with such difficult circumstances and leaders who have overcome. And I just find that, and you know, these great leaders I meet, and you find a common thread in all of them is this 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 deeper faith that that this that guides them, that is powering them, and they're not doing it alone. I I I. Uh, you don't want to get too much into it, but I mean, I prayed every morning before I wrote the energy bus, and I literally, the story just came to me each day, a little bit each day, and I can't, I can't fully take credit for it because it was just literally, it was coming through me, and I wrote it in a month, and wow. then to have it come out, and then, you know, re- go around the world like it has, it's yeah. just been, I, I, I look at that and I go, well, uh, it wasn't just me. And I, I can't take full credit for it. Myself. Well, I mean, not have just been you, but I mean, if you look at the law of attraction and, and positive and affirmations, then you were doing everything that everybody tells you to do to be successful. Yeah, I was doing some of that, um, but uh, the, the words were flowing through me, so they were coming. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> you know, but yeah, I mean, I think the law of attraction is a great, um, a great message out there in a sense because right. it. it um, it helps people to move out of their victim consciousness to realize they have to take control of their thoughts and their right. ideas. The only thing is the law of attraction doesn't really go into why you know people do face the tests and the challenges and the adversities they do face. And to me, those happen because they are meant to expand us, to help us grow, to challenge us, to be Absolutely. the people we were born to be. And so yeah. there's a to me there's a bigger picture there that I think God has a bigger plan for our lives and we're we're here to live live that plan and part of that plan includes the test that make us stronger. If you never got sick, then you wouldn't have a strong immune system. So in getting sick, you actually build your immune system and get stronger. So it's the same thing with life. Yeah, I think that those those uh those tests are there to make you stronger, but they're also there to show you how strong you are because many people don't realize just how much they can take. You know, I hear it all the time, oh, I can't take this, you know. You you know, until you've been really tested, you would not believe how strong you are. You know, people, they really just don't know what they can put up with. They don't know what what they have inside them, right? Yeah, they really don't. And, you know, one of the, the greatest examples of that is that young man, you know, who was, caught out there in the Sierras and he ended up cutting off his arm with a, you know, uh, a little knife because, you know, he was stuck under a boulder and he was going to die if he didn't do that. Wow. Now, most of us go, I couldn't do that. I'd never do that. You don't know what you would do to survive. The will to survive and live is very, very strong. Mm, Wow. That's a great thought. You know, and and I I just know that... um, and, and the other part of that is I think sometimes that we need to be tested so that we can break out of, you know, our everyday existence, like really break away from that and, and see a totally different perspective that you would never see unless something really bad happened to you or, you know, traumatic happened to you. And and that is really to, to say, hey, wake up, wake up, because you are here for a purpose and you weren't doing it. Right. But that's my personal thought. Oh, I, I agree. <laughs> I think most people who go through those moments – you know, you have a choice. I think I think the people who truly overcome their obstacles and their biggest challenges see those moments, those the, those hardest times, as a defining moment in their life. Yeah. And that defining moment serves as a catalyst for the work that they're here to do. And I think obstacles are fun. I mean, they're just really. You know, I'm a creative person. I like to create, and so yeah, to me, it's like, oh, good, an obstacle. How can we, you know, go around it, through it, whatever, get it, you know. 
uh, handle this. It, it's kind of fun. You know? <laughs> I don't know the obstacles I've been through in my life. I wouldn't say they were fun, but I think that well, I think looking back on them, yes, I'm glad I went through them. Maybe they're yeah. fun after the fact. Well, it could be. Yeah, you can always laugh about the master. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think it's the fear of, of the unknown and these obstacles that, that, you know, stop people from really going to the edge of the cliff and flying. Because I believe that people are, you know, when they jump off, they're going to fly. They're not going to fall. But they just don't believe it. And and if they did, if they had the confidence in themselves and, and the ability to do that, then I think that they would really be surprised at how they soar. And, you know, those energy vampires who are around us, um, those naysayers and they're oh don't you can't do that and you you know those people they're just afraid they're afraid that you're going to leave them behind that's why they they complain so much don't you think right I I agree with that I think there's well there's many reasons why people complain yeah. and are, are negative but that's one of the reasons definitely is that they have their own fears so they cast their own fears their own doubts their own insecurities on others and so that's definitely I don't think negative people really want to be negative and I don't you know. I don't uh, certainly hate negative people for it at all. I think they serve to help us grow. If you're around a negative person and they impact you, it means that you need to focus and work on your developing your own positive energy to overcome them. So the goal is not to not be around them. The goal is to actually be more positive than they are negative. And so yeah. that's it shows you that you're not. They're actually great teachers, negative people, if they impact you. Like you said, not watching the news. Well, my test is can I watch the news and not have it let it impact me, actually? That's my test that I often say. I want to watch that and not impact me so I'm more positive than it is negative. And so I think, again, it's about stressing ourselves to the point of sense of, I don't mean stress, stress, I mean good stress, where we, like a rubber band, we get stronger, you know, we pull and are pulled in that direction as a result. So to me, that's what it's all about. Stay in focus. Well, let me ask you something about the, the news. <laughs> sure. Second. Let's have a little debate here about news. After, okay, one of the reasons that it came up for, for me was I realized that after 9-11, when CNN replayed and replayed and replayed and replayed, that the world, you know, because I, I do believe in the law of attraction, I do believe that, you know, negativity will increase more negativity, that the world seemed to really go to hell in a handbasket very quickly and that, you know, you've got kids shooting kids in schools. You have all of this stuff happening after that after that event. The, and it just seemed like the stuff was just replayed over and over, and it was so horrifying. And, and people were glued to, you know, to, to watching it again and again and again. And I don't know. I just felt that people were really negative after that. Yeah, it was a horrible event, but there's been lots of horrible events in the world, you know. And, and But this seemed to, I guess because of the television People couldn't seem to get over, you know, the negativity of it. Well, I think, first of all, you're right on is that the news is negative. No, there's no doubt about that. And that they feed off that and they program that. And I'm not saying people should watch it. I'm saying I use, I use it as a test yeah, to have it, it, see, that it that yeah. can it impact me. But no, I agree with you that it's negative and the negative images were constantly shown. But I also believe that... You know, it wasn't just 9-11. It wasn't just the images that we see every day. There's so much more going on uh, mm-hmm. be, beyond it that I think it's part of the problem. Definitely no doubt about it. But I also think that, um, you know, it's it, it, it wasn't just that. There were people and, and, and violence way before 
Oh, yeah. You know, yeah, and way yeah, before yeah. that. But I think even in the political case, I mean, they're always focusing on the negative in politics. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of interviews recently on TV shows and radio shows about, you know, about positivity and negativity and campaigning and politics. Mm-hmm. And again, I truly think that we're going to elect the next president, whoever that may be, is going to be the one who shares a compelling positive vision for yeah. the future, for the future, yeah. and can get people excited about the vision and get people on the bus to move in that direction. That's who we're going to elect. If someone is complains too much, mm-hmm. that person will not be elected president. Yeah, nobody wants to complain. No, I don't. I think we want to. <laughs> we want a leader who's going to guide us in the right direction. So, again, that's the part of complaining. Oh, can we tell about what the complaining rule is for people who, who oh, uh, yeah. don't know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It's about not mindlessly complaining to your coworkers. But if you have a complaint, take it to your manager or boss, but also come with one or two possible solutions. So I love that part of it, yeah. So, so, so let's, becomes, let's give an example of that. Okay. So not to mindlessly complain, but if you have a real valid complaint in your workplace, you take yep. it to your boss, but you have to have a solution along with it. So an example of that is you're working in a you know, a cubicle and you're doing customer service and you get off the phone with a, a customer and you turn to the person next to you and you just start complaining and whining about having to deal with these, you know... Um, Idiots. <laughs> I don't want to say that, but, you know, pain in yeah. the necks on the phone and you just start blah, 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 blah. That would be minus complaining. A justified complaint would be, you know, you keep on getting the same call, you have an idea on how to solve it, you go to your boss say, you know, I keep on getting a lot of these complaints. I have an idea. Uh, here's a solution. Or you might be working on the computer and have a better idea on how you should handle the process. And you say, you know, I have this complaint about how we're dealing, handling things, but I also, here's a solution that I'd like to offer on how we deal with it. Yep. And I like the one about the, the complaint, but you have to have that but at the end. Right, so you complain. That's for your own complaining. So you're driving right. home and you start complaining about your spouse, but I'm married. <laughs> but yeah, but I'm but I'm married. But I'm married. I get, but, I get a tax benefit. Right, but I get a tax break. <laughs> but but I have someone who loves me. Or I'm driving to traffic and you're driving, and then you say, you know, God, I hate having to drive in traffic, but at least I can drive. There's yeah, many people who can't. At least own a even, car. At least own a car. <laughs> I I complain about my job, but I should be thankful I have a job. There are many that are unemployed right now, right. and so you're finding the positive in the negative. So you don't go down that that negative road. See, co- people complain for two reasons. One, they feel helpless and powerless, and that's actually why they start complaining, because it's sort of an ad- adult form of crying. So we complain because we feel like we have no control over the situation to change it. The idea of the no complaining rule is, no, yes, you do have a solution, you do have a control, and you can offer those solutions to those complaints. So that sort of, it's actually empowering to do that. And then they also complain because it's a habit. And so some tools I give in the book as part of the story for the character to do is to help with the habit because so often we complain just because we're so used to complaining. Right. And so right. and, those, those are the two main reasons. And, you know, if you think that you're not a negative person, listen to your thoughts for a day. Listen to your thoughts for one hour. Put a little rubber bracelet on your, on your arm, and every time you have a negative thought, pull it. And I bet you have a blister by the end of the day. We, we don't even realize half the time how negative our language becomes in our head. 
and that and that belongs to you know your negative self beliefs and your doubts and and the lack of confidence that that you know will come around you all of that you know feeds into this so you, you know you, you're going to want to start that no complaining rule um, you say to reinforce the no complaining rule and generate a solution focused culture in your organization because this is what you guys are going to want to go back to work with you'll want to celebrate and spotlight the successes of the people who turned their complaints into solutions and innovations and I think that's a great idea and that was one of the things that, that I did in my in my work was to make sure that everybody had a recognition program be it, oh, a, you know formal and informal and I think every every organization should do that Oh, that's wonderful. That's a great idea. Yeah. Recognizing yeah. people, yeah. Recognize people. And, you know, bosses and, 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 you know, even if you work with a coworker, learn the art of acknowledgement. You know, it's not a compliment, but you can acknowledge people sincerely. Um, and I think that makes a big difference, too. When you just, you know, just like, I think you're doing a great job. Wow, you know, like you did that really well. Whatever it is, as long as it's honest and it's sincere, I, I think acknowledgement can go a long way. And that that that's, you know, it doesn't cost any money. It doesn't. And recognition really is important. And you want to have more positive interactions in the workplace than negative interactions. So the more positive you have. So I often say the recipe for success is, you know, three to four to five times as much praise as criticism. So if you're always criticism, criticizing people for the job they're doing, but you're not praising them, well, you're not reinforcing the positive. Focus on what people are doing right and they do more things right. It's it's the simple message in the One Minute Manager by Ken mm-hmm. Blanchard. You focus on what people are doing right, they do more things right. And that's where the recognition and the praise comes in. So don't always focus on what people are doing wrong. When you see someone doing right, recognize them for it and make it a point to um, share that praise with them, and you'll see it have an impact on that person's behavior. You know, what's interesting um, in, in this book, when... Um I got a new boss, and he was um, an engineer. And, and so for him, metrics meant, you know, numbers. Give me numbers. Give me facts. Give me, you know, this and that. Yeah. For me, it was like hope. Hope, you know, came to work, and, and the security guard said, well, I used to really appreciate your smile. I go, listen, people are smiling more now. Well, that's not, that's not a metric. Well, to me, it was a big metric because I'd come to work, and people never even say good morning anymore. <laughs> and now people are saying, hi, how are you? It's great to be here, you know. So to me, that was a huge improvement, but it's not a number improvement. You know, it's no. a soft improvement. And and people need to understand. I think that bosses and, and others in charge. You know, sometimes if it's not, if they're not into you know emotional intelligence, then they don't may, maybe understand that. But it is a big. You know, the work environment is is very important, and, and it's nice that people smile at you and say hello to you and look at you. <laughs> well, if you take a positively charged work environment, you compare it against a yeah. negatively charged work environment. Daniel Goldman's research shows the positive one will outperform the negative one. If you yeah. would invest in the 100 best companies to work for, you would significantly outperform the market average, the market average in terms of stock price and dividends. So, positive people really do produce positive results, and positive teams do make a difference. So this is not something you and I are just, you know, saying, oh, the world should be this way and let's all sing kumbaya. This, yeah, is, a, yeah. a, this is a really good business case for why people should develop these positive cultures. If you walk into work and you're not smiling at people and you're not engaging them and you're all about the numbers, you may have short-term success, but you will not have long-term success. Emotional intelligence is one of the major predictors of, of adult success the ability to relationships and connect with others. 
So this is all, you know, really does impact the bottom line in a positive way by focusing on the very things we're talking about. So I, I often say I, I, I present a business case for more love in the workplace, you know, not the, yeah, the yeah. right kind of love, caring and appreciation and gratitude and trust and loyalty. Those kind of um, emotions and those kind of, of practices make all the difference. You know, there's some people who are really negative, like my, I have a, a son who's really super negative, and I'm like, how could you be my child? But anyway. You know, he's like, <laughs> I have a son Mom, the same way. We must have is, the same is. son. Yeah. So he says, he says um, well, if I, if, if I think I'm going to get it, if I go, I'm going to get this, and he goes, then I'm jinxing myself and I won't. So if I say it's, I'm not going to do it, then it's going to happen. I go, nah, it doesn't quite work that way for me. That's funny, but. My son's negative on a different way, but he's got a, mm-hmm. he's got a temper. But but um, that's interesting how he how he focuses on that way. Yeah. Where did yeah, he get I that from? Kinda, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where he got that from. <laughs> but he certainly didn't get it from me. Maybe maybe I think my mother was a martyr. I think okay. it came from her. <laughs> the, uh, it came from somewhere, right? Yeah, it had to come from somewhere. But uh, what I, one of the things I really liked about this book, too, you said um, when you are hiring somebody, like HR, if they tell them about the no-complaining rule, that you're going to weed out those whiners who are you know, going to get into the organization because they're not going to want to come to work for you anyway. So you don't even have to worry about them uh, becoming part of your culture because they're not going to want to once they understand that they can't complain when they come to work. Right. Well, the, well, the company PPR, one of the – leading nurse staffing companies in the country who this book is actually inspired by and based on because they implemented the no complaining rule and I knew the CEO and he's the one who told me about it. They were actually voted one of the best places to work by uh, SHRM, Society of Human Resource Managers. They implemented this rule and this was one of the side benefits of this rule, the CEO told me, is that they started sharing the rule with potential hirees and with candidates for positions within the company and that kept a lot of people away in the first place, but it also attracted the people who wanted to work in a positive environment. Hmm. We got something in our chat room. He says, if anyone gets online, please tell the host to pick up and see. They disconnected me, and I have the solution to delegate harassment. Well, give us a call real quick if you have a solution for that. Um, we're, we're down to the last few minutes here. 646-595-3741. Uh, I promise to pick up. <laughs> Nobody's picking up for this poor chat. But um, So what's next for John Gordon? Actually, you know what? Let's tell folks where they can find you. In all, oh, my God, you have a plethora of freebies. Um, you've got a million articles and, and all sorts of wonderful, wonderful um, blogs and, and things to read and articles to read and uh, things for free. So let's tell folks where they can get you, John, if they want to hire you, if they want to uh, read your stuff. Sure. They can just go to my website at johngordon.com. That's J-O-N, gordon.com, and... Um you know, they can find my books in all the bookstores, The Energy Bus and The No Complaining Rule and all Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Borders, or you name it. And also, I have a free uh, weekly tip that we send out, positive tip of the week, and you can sign up for that right at the website at uh, jongordon.com. And a lot of fun posters for The Energy Bus and No Complaining Rule videos we created with a lot of fun videos that you can watch to introduce the rule to your organization. Uh, we have workshops that we have trainers and facilitators do based on these books that I have a, um, an organization I partnered with who 
does training for a lot of companies, so they're doing that. And I mostly do um, mostly speaking and lectures now for organizations and companies to share this message to get it out as many people as possible. I love the um, when you go on the web, uh, on your website in in the bus the, the horn beep. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> a lot of fun. Over, yeah, that's pretty fun. And you it's can send someone beep. a bus ticket inviting them on your bus too at that site as well. That's theenergybus.com if you want to check that out. So okay, you go to the energy bus, yeah, and you just go there and you can print out bus tickets for free and send someone an, an e-bus ticket. And uh, we have fun posters too that that a lot of people I hear put up around their their offices to remind them to uh, get on the bus. Oh, I like this one. Yeah, you have uh, you're invited on my bus. Positive passengers wanted. Yes. Destination success. What is um? What do you think the the key to success is? The key, wow. I think ultimately it comes down to purpose. Living your purpose and letting your purpose live through you. And I believe that the research shows people are most energized when they're using their strengths for a bigger purpose beyond themselves. So it's Mm -hmm. about what are your gifts, what are your talents, what are you here to do? And it's about sharing those gifts with others, making a difference, and and having a purpose for why you're doing it and living that purpose. And if you're doing that, that will help you stay positive, and you will stay positive to overcome the obstacles because you know why you're here and what you're here to do. When did you get so smart? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I, I think I'm still learning and growing. I have found that. <laughs> I have found that the most successful people, the people I admire, are always learning and growing, and I think I am too. I'm just always reading and learning and growing, and and um, I spoke in, in Dallas, and Zig Ziglar was in the front row. Oh, really? Wow. Zig's, you know, one of my heroes, and and, yeah. and I look over, and he's taking notes, and, <laughs> and I'm like, I can't believe Zig Ziglar's taking notes, but it, it wasn't me. Anybody could have been up there speaking, yeah. and Zig would have been taking notes. He's 80 years old, and he's still taking notes. And at that moment, I realized he's a lifelong learner, and that's why he is who he is, because we're all always, we're meant to learn and grow. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. we are meant to learn and grow. And so that's That's the key to success. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't really know their values. I mean, I ask people all the time, what are your top five values? And, And most people need to go away and think about it. You know, they haven't really thought about that before. And I kind of think, well, if you don't know what your values are, then how can you be in alignment with at your work, with your partner, yeah. with your life even? It's a great we, point. We really don't get that deep sometimes. <laughs> no, it, but I think you're right. You should have everyone ask themselves that question, what do I value? And yeah. do my actions reflect what I value? It's a simple. I wrote an article called Stand for Your Brand, that mm-hmm. each one of us has a brand and and. Our business is a brand, and everything you do reflects that brand. So do your actions reflect your brand? So your brand might say, I'm a good father or I'm a good mother. Well, if you really believe that, if that's one of your values, uh, you know, do you take the time to read to your kids at night? Do you take time to spend quality time with them? If, do your actions sort of reflect what you value, your brand? A, che- you know, a great example is Chick-fil-A. You know, I don't know if you have Chick-fil-A in Canada. No, but I don't. They are, a, they are a Chick-fil-A, you know, fast food company that is closed on Sundays. They do not open on Sundays. It reflects their values of what they stand for. Honest Mm -hmm. Tea, uh, a company I love, 
you know, is all about honesty. And they do a lot of things to sort of be transparent with their honesty. So their actions are reflecting their brand. So I just love companies that, that where the brand and the and the, the values and the actions are in alignment. It's like that with people too. So exactly. I think, you know, you look at John Edwards. I don't know if you followed the U.S. media, what's been happening, but John Edwards, you know, was caught cheating, having an affair. And the problem where people get so up in arms about it is, he portrayed his values as being this family man and this is who I am. And then his actions didn't reflect what he said he stood for. And I think as as people, we, we don't like that. It's almost no. better. It, it's weird. It's almost better if we think you're slimy and then you act slimy. And that's okay because we expected that from you. Right, that right. someone who says they're great and then does something wrong and then we get upset. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. We're out of time. We've been talking to John Gordon, author of The No Complaining Rule. Please get this book. I will tell you, you'll be totally entertained. Um, you can read it in, in a couple hours and take it to your workplace and show it to your bosses and, and ask them to implement the no complaining rule because it's just wasted energy to sit and complain all day. John Gordon, you are amazing. Thank you so much for being my guest. And all of you who've tuned in this evening on Mission Unstoppable, I'll be back next Tuesday, same time, same place. I love you. Thank you. Take care. Good night. Good night, John. Thanks so Good much night. for being Thank my guest. Good night. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye.